God just began to speak to me some things about what he's wanting to do in us and how we can really um, have war on anxiety. We talked to a couple last, the past couple weeks about putting your dukes up, you know, your prayer and your praise. We talked about how um, anger is part of anxiety and how um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Amen? And so Jesus is wanting to speak to us today. But today, I want to give you some tactics of how to fight against anxiety. Is that all right? All right. I want you to, if you have your Bibles or if you have your, your Glow Bibles, whatever it is, if you'd put them on for me or open it today with me to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. I'm going to read it in the ESV first, and then I'm going to be reading it out of the Message Bible. I've got quite a bit of scripture today, but God's just begin to open up some things through his word, and I think nothing can speak better than his word. Amen? It's it. We, we, we can say all that we want, but this is the truth right here and what we want to hold on to. So Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In the message, it says, people with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. Steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. Amen? But the main part I wanted you to know is it says, people with their minds set on you, you complete, you keep completely whole. Steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. And God said to me through these, this scripture, even in both ways that it states, is that the key to defeating anxiety is trusting in God. It takes trust. For many of us, I believe trust is an issue. It just is. We, a lot of people in the world have trust issues, um, let alone just trusting in God. Think about that. I mean, if you really deeply look down in your heart and ask yourself, do I really have an issue with trusting people or letting people in? Am I very guarded sometimes or do I have my for and no more kind of thing of people that I allow to be a part of my life? And I'm not saying that you have to let everybody in. Even Jesus had ones that were really close to him, even in the disciples. But what happens, I think, is when we have trust issues in the world and when we have trust issues, maybe because we've been hurt, um, it could come all the way down from when we were a child Maybe something happened, maybe our dad left or our mother or um, things took place with friends when you were younger or you were bullied by people or anything like that. It can create trust issues in your life. And sometimes we have to realize that when we allow trust issues with people to come in and take over our life, a lot of times it takes our perceptive of God and allows ourselves to put what we have on our thoughts of man to be focused now towards God. Right? See, anxiety only comes when we don't trust God to carry us or our problems. When we don't trust that he's got it. When we don't think that he has our daily needs and endeavors taken care of. You know, when you get up and your first thoughts are constantly, how am I going to pay these bills? How's this going to work? I'm, you know, stressed out because I don't have enough for this. Things aren't working out in the way. How's this relationship going to work? What happens is you have already set your trust more in the world and what's going on and what you can do than what you trust in God doing. 
How many times do you wake up in the morning and your first thing are your cares and your worries that come to your mind before your praise and your prayer that goes out to God? Think about it. What are we trusting in? The word trust means assured reliance on. Now, we just talked about this last week about how God is the greatest life insurance that we will ever have. It's the assurance in Jesus Christ that we have that we can know that he will do what he said because he is faithful to do it. Amen? And when we place our uh, policy in him, our life in him, what happens is he carries us through and we're covered, right? So trust is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something, one in which confidence is placed. It's dependence on something. Trust is hope. I know in the word it says, I have this hope. That's an anchor for my soul. If you're anchored in hope and anchored in Jesus, then you are anchored in trusting in him to carry you when the wind and the waves and all the things of the world begin to rock your boat, right? Because you're believing that he will do what he said he will. But I want to ask you something. If you think about it and would be honest, how many of you could say you have trust issues? Sometimes I do. I'll be honest. Sometimes I do. You know, like, like you ain't going to do that again, so I'm, I'm going to keep myself. Like, you cool there. Like, hey. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're good, but I ain't going to let you get close. But what happens is when our mind, again, like I said, begins to look very skewed like that at the things going on, then we get a view of God that he's going to do the same thing to us. Because, you know, how could God allow them to do that? How could God allow these things to happen to me? If he really loved me, he wouldn't let bad things take place in my life. I would be pain-free and struggle-free and trouble-free, and he wouldn't let them people talk about me like that. He wouldn't let them hurt me like that. But God does not dictate the choices of man, yet we allow man's choice to dictate our trust and who he is. God does not dictate the choices of man. He's not up there as a dictator in rule over us trying to tell us everything that we have to do and do this and do that. And if you don't, that's not how God is. See, he's a loving father and he's given you the choice to choose to serve him, to choose to love him, to choose to be a part of who he is. But he just doesn't reign and rule over you in that fact of it's like, uh, 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 uh. you know, he's not like that. And what happens is I think we forget that God doesn't dictate our choices. He doesn't tell us, you know, hey, you have to do this, you have to do that. He gives us the choice to do what we do. It's our choices that are affected. But what happens is we think that God is so much in charge of everybody's choices. See, God is ruler over your life. Yes, he is if you allow him to be. And he should rule your choices and know where you're going. But he's not dictating whether somebody hurts you or whether they don't or what they do. It, that's not how it works. Yet we allow man's choices to dictate how we see him. Whether we realize it or not, our view of God can become skewed by the broken relationships or situations we have here on earth. Trust issues leave you with feelings of anxiety, worry, doubt, they leave you feeling overprotective, 
hypervigilant, constantly defensive, and imagining the worst case scenarios on everything. And think about it. How many times, okay, even, even little things, before you have a conversation with somebody, maybe you have to have a serious conversation with somebody before you set in, you've already got your mind up. Well, what are they going to say? And how are they going to react? And well, what if they do? If they do this, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this is what I'm going to say. And I'm going to tell them this, this, and this, and this is how it's going to go. And you have the whole thing planned out and you're so freaked out and then you want to throw up. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you're running to the bathroom constantly because your stomach's upset now because you were hypervigilant, overprotective, and now you are literally trying to worry and figure out all the worst case scenarios so everything works in your favor, right? That's what happens, and guess what that's called? Anxiety. And all of it happened because we just didn't trust that God had it. What would happen if we went into situations like that and scenarios in our lives and just said, God, I trust you to know that you fight for me. You have everything in your plan. And even if I need to be the one, check my heart. David even said it, search my heart, oh God. What if we started out like that, trusting that he had it before we even went in, no matter what happens, God, I know you got this. Do we realize that we would literally feel better we would feel better, not just, you know, do better, but we would feel better. You would spend less time in the bathroom and more time with doing the things that you like to do and enjoying life. See, broken trust in God comes from a disconnected mind to his presence. It's a disconnected mind. See, anxiety shorts our ability to keep full connection to who he is. Because the scripture says, he whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. That means I have a constant connection with God. You know, when you have, a, any of you in school ever see when they did like the electric current, did they ever take a battery and hook it up to like the light bulb and show you how that works, that if you, you know, put a break in the current that the light bulb doesn't light up kind of thing? It's the same thing with like your mind and stuff like that. The little thoughts, the light bulb doesn't light up to know that God's got it. When you have anxiety in your life so much, it begins to short the connection between you and God. It begins to destabilize the current that should be flowing continually. It says, he whose mind is stayed on God. And let me tell you something, guys. This takes work. It's not like you're just going to be like, my mind stayed on you and it's going in that track and I'm going to set it on cruise control. You can't do that because things come along and situations happen and even though they do and even though anxiety wants to rise up and it begins to strike you and makes you worry about things, the work that it takes to stay connected is saying, no God, I know you've got it. So I'm going to refocus my mind. I'm going to ask that you come and calm me down. I'm going to ask that you come in and take care of this situation and I choose not to let anxiety control me. I don't care if you have to say it out loud. If you've got to stop where you are and close your eyes and take a deep breath for a minute, it's refocus focusing your mind to stay on who he is. It takes work. It takes talking to yourself like crazy people. It's the truth. But I'd rather talk to myself to talk myself out of anxiety than talk myself into it. Because how many times do our own words talk ourselves into things that really aren't the truth and out of trusting what is? See, the message says people who set their minds on you, you keep 
completely whole. What's funny about this is a couple weeks ago, it's been, well, yeah, a week and a half ago, Zion and I ended up going um, to eat on Thursday night. They have youth and daddy and the girls are here. And so it's kind of like Zion and I's night on Thursday nights. And I'm sure he's really upset about that on Thursday nights because we do whatever Zion normally wants to do on Thursday nights. But I said, Bob, we're out kind of late. We were here at the church late. And I said, what do you, what do you want to do for dinner? And I said a couple things. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. And I was like, Bob, pick where you want to go. And he's like, well, can we go to Oive? I said, yeah, we can go to Oive. Um, and he's like, okay. So we went in there. We went to Oive. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. But it's the Jewish cafe that is off of 41. So good. And I can eat everything there. And that's why I like it. Because I don't have to worry about anything when I go there. But the fact of it is, is when we went in, the rabbi there, every time you walk in, she says, shalom. Every time. And Zion was so intrigued because we were the only ones there at that moment that were in line. And so he was asking her all kinds of things about, well, what does that mean? And what is that? And can you teach me this? And before I know it, we're waiting on our food, and our food's done, and he's, like, learning Jewish and speaking all kinds of Hebrew and all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, okay, there, there was your field trip for the day, because we're homeschooled, so, you know, he learned a new language in that, and it was really cool that he was doing that, but God hit me as I walked out. It, it just began to stick with me about the word shalom, and I couldn't shake it. I was like, you know, it's not just a saying, you know, the saying means go in peace to walk in peace. So when they talk to you, when somebody in Hebrew is saying shalom, they're telling you go and walk in peace, walk in it, walk it out. And I began to study that word shalom. It's been on my heart since then. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, but it means far more than the absence of conflict. It means far more than the absence of war or stress. It literally means the presence of harmony, unity, wholeness, well-being, and contentment in all areas of life. Shalom. Doesn't it say up in the message version in Isaiah 26, 3, people who set their minds on you, you keep completely whole? So you keep them in complete shalom, you keep them in complete peace, wholeness, well-being, contentment, unity, harmony, you keep them in a complete rhythm with you. It's, it's not just, it's more than just a word. It's more than just something we say. And I think sometimes we get caught up in sayings and things that happen, but we don't understand the purpose of what happened. See, Shalom, the first time Jesus was ever spoke about in the Bible of Jehovah Shalom was when Gideon came and he was at the threshing floor and God came before him with the angel of the Lord and here they are fighting the Midianites who are coming against them and God's trying to raise Gideon up and he's in a place of severe anxiety at this moment because he has no idea what he's going to do or how he's going to lead people, let alone knowing that God is going to take him down from thousands of men to 300. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak to Gideon, and he begins to tell him, peace be with you. He tells him, I'm Jehovah Shalom. 
I'm the unity and the wholeness and the completeness and the contentment that you need. I'm everything that you have. If you just allow that to be with you and walk with you, you're going to win this battle. But you have to trust in me. Trust in me. It's hard to trust people, isn't it? And sometimes it's hard to trust God. Why? Because I think it's so hard sometimes to trust something that you can't see. Something that you can't just hold on to and feel. But that's what makes it so much more important to try to and to keep at and to go at it. It says he keeps steady on their feet because they keep at it and they don't quit. See, Shalom speaks of personal peace. Not merely referring to the absence of trouble or conflict, but positively of completeness, wholeness, contentment, welfare, health, prosperity, harmony, and fulfillment. Peace is one of the blessings that flow from a right relationship to God. And shalom is the term that includes all that makes life worthwhile. You see, anxiety steals your peace and your joy. You can't have joy and be full of anxiety. And you can't have peace and be full of anxiety. To, to have peace means to be bound together, to be united. Whereas anxiety means to pull apart. So you can either have one or the other, but you can't experience both at the same time. Peace means bound together in full unity, but anxiety means pulled apart. And sometimes, how many times do we literally feel like we are being pulled apart at the seams? But if we would truly just begin to set our trust back in God, get our minds focused back, anytime that begins to happen and you feel like you are literally unraveling, the important thing to do is put your thoughts back on God. Speak that which be not as though it was. Speak it. Nope. Yes, I do struggle with this. Yes, do I feel it coming on. Yes, do I feel short out of breath. But I know the God who is the breath of my soul. I know the one who breathes into me. I know the God who is my salvation. I know the God who is God of peace. And I will not bow to this at this moment. You have to set your mind back on him. Mistrust creates the feeling of disconnect and feeds the anxiousness within when you don't trust something, you are a little tense and a little anxious about putting your full dependency on it. But our wholeness comes from the peace of God. And this can only be achieved when we set our minds on trusting in him. I said what shalom meant is it says go in, to walk in peace. This means to set your path straight. You have to set your mind. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, they have their mindset, it's made up. If you have your mind set on something, what do you do? If your mind's set on something, you're going to figure out any way to achieve that and make it happen, right? Like, I know pregnant people, when they have their mind set on one thing they want to eat, they're going to achieve that. It's the truth, right? It don't matter if it's like winter and they want watermelon. I want watermelon. That's what I got to have right now. My mind's set on it, right? 
And think about this for a little while. A lot of times, if you have your mindset on achieving a goal, whether it's at work or whether it's, you know, in sports or any kind of area, when your mind is set on something, you work hard at, at, at training your body, at training your mind to, to complete it. You know, nobody goes into the gym and they're like, already made it. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's like, I just came here, it's my first day, and I ran a marathon worth of mileage on this treadmill. I'm so awesome. No way. You get like two minutes in and you're like, <sighs> and, and you want to die. But when you begin to train your body, even if you made it two minutes, what happens the next time you make it three and the next time you make it four and the next time five? Do you see what I'm saying? It continues to go on because you have your mindset that you are going to do something. Setting your mind. To set your mind on something is to give your full attention to it, to be determined to achieve it. Paul realized this and tried to stress it to us through scripture. Immediately after saying, be anxious for nothing, in Philippians 4, he speaks to us in verses 10 through 13, saying, in my life, in union with the Lord, it is a great joy to me that after so long a time, you once more had the chance of showing that you care for me. I don't mean that you stopped caring for me. You just had no chance to show it. And I'm not saying this because I feel neglected or sorry for myself, pretty much is what he's saying. For I have learned to be satisfied with what I have. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learned this secret so that anywhere, at any time, I am content. Whether I am full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. I love what it says in the beginning, in my life, in union with the Lord. Immediately above the scriptures, right above that, he's telling you, do, be anxious for nothing, but with everything, by prayer and petition, give it to the Lord. He's telling you that right before these. See, we have to know context of what's going on and where he's at, and he's in prison at this moment, and what he's saying is he hasn't even had a chance to hear from his people to encourage him to keep going. He's had no chance for anybody to encourage him. Yet he says, in my life, in union. You know what he's saying right there? In my life of shalom, of walking with peace in God. In my life of unity with God, I didn't need you to encourage me. I didn't need you to tell me it was going to be okay. I didn't need you to tell me that everything was all right because I have the power of God that strengthens me that in any circumstance I am content and have wholeness and completeness and well-being whether I sit here or not in this jail or not. I am well. The reason that we cannot cast our anxieties on the Lord is because we will never let God carry what we do not trust him to hold. The reason we cannot cast our anxieties on the Lord is because we will never let God carry what we do not trust him to hold. That word casting means you throw it on him. Like, it's not just like, a, if you've ever seen a fisherman cast a net, they throw it out there. It's not like they're just like, plop, and just watch it sink. No, they cast that net out there. But the awesome thing about Jesus Christ is when you cast that net out there of your concerns and your anxieties, guess what? You don't have to pull it in. You can let it go. 
You can let it drop to the bottom of the sea and let him carry who you are. But when you don't trust God, it's just like the fishermen who cast the net out, but they keep pulling it back in and reeling it back in, and they put it back on themselves. See, the fact of it is, is we put so much weight on ourselves and trusting in who we are and what we can do that we literally lose the peace of God in our minds because we aren't trusting him to carry what he's doing in our lives or what he's even given us. Whether it's our kids, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our car payments and things like that, I believe, yes, you have to work and do things. That doesn't mean like you can just sit and be like, now, God, you and I, we have this deal. And you're going to pay all my bills because I trust in you. Amen. It doesn't work that way. You still have to work at it. You still have to be diligent with the things God's given you. You still have to put the effort in and forth. But the fact of it is, is when you are doing everything that you can and walking in the fullness of God, that means that, hey, something happens and your car breaks down and you weren't planning on that and you didn't have it in your budget. Guess who's going to take care of that for you and bring a way for you to do it? It may be with an extra job, but he made a way. God's faithful. Trust creates unity and unity creates peace. We must set our minds on trusting in God. True peace only comes when I quit trying to get the world to validate my emotions and I learn to fully rely on God for all I need. I think we're in this stage of the world that we've got too many people wanting their emotions and how they feel about things to be validated. And what happens is because of that, we're so waiting on somebody to tell us that what we do and how we feel is right so that we can trust in their words and trust in what they're saying that we miss out on the truth of how we are. See, we cannot release anxiety and trust on God by focusing on our current situations and not on his promises. We can't keep focusing on where we are so much that we forget to focus on God. It, nothing will change if you continue to focus. That's insanity right there. That's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It doesn't work like that. If we desire wholeness or shalom in our lives, we have to trust God and build that trust even when we don't feel like it. And how do we do that? This is how we declare war on anxiety and build trust with God. Number one, you gotta check God's credentials. Before you trust anyone, like a doctor, a mechanic, a hotel, or a restaurant, what do you do? You check the references and you read the reviews. Don't you? You go look up, and before you buy a product on Amazon anymore, how many of you go down and, like, read all the reviews to make sure that it's been a good product or not? And you're always going to get somebody who's going to give a negative review because we couldn't live in this world without negative nails. You know, it wouldn't work that way. But the fact of it is, is you begin to see the positive outweigh the negative. It makes you put more trust in that product, correct? God's the same way. We have to read the reviews that are left in his word. You have to read the reviews. 
What do the stories in his word tell you about? What does this say? What does the review on this movie or Bible or story, what does it say? What are the critics saying about it? And I'm not talking about the ones that don't believe in him at all. I'm talking about what does it say right here? What's the truth? What's the reviews? And I'll tell you what, in every bit of these reviews, it's got a five-star rating. Every person in this word goes back to the dependency of Jesus Christ and the ones who didn't, didn't depend on him and trust in him. So how could they give you a proper review? What does it say? What about the people who are around you? What do they say? If you have ones in your corner that aren't encouraging you and leading you back to the word, you might need to check who's leaving reviews in your life. Psalm 119 90 says, Your faithfulness endures through all ages. You have set the earth in place and it still remains. You know what that means? That God began it and God's going to end it. And it doesn't matter what everybody else says. Put your eggs in that basket and you're going to win. He's had it all in control from the beginning. Number two, ask him for his help. This seems simple, right? But did you know that God desires for you to trust in him? And he longs for you to ask for his help to do so. He's not afraid that you don't trust in him. Guess what, guys? Newsflash, he already knows it. He knows everything. So he's not afraid for you to tell him the truth. He just wants you to reach out to him so he can help you. It is okay to say, Lord, I'm struggling to trust you, and I need help. I love this scripture right here. It's probably one of my favorites. Psalms 34.4 in the message says, God met me more than halfway and freed me from my anxious fears. God met me more than halfway. When I took one small little step and just said, God, I'm struggling with trusting you, guess what he did? He came right up to my door of my heart and began to take in and saturate all the fears and all the worries and begins to take them away. God met me more than halfway and freed me from my anxious fears. Number three, choose to hold on. Choose to set your mind. Did you know that trust is an action verb? I mean, I know that we're not like all back in fourth grade anymore learning about our verbs and adverbs and adjectives and all that kind of fun stuff. But sometimes I think we forget that trust is an action verb. This means it's something we must choose to do. It takes action to trust. You have to choose to trust even when you don't feel like it. Even when the circumstances in your life are telling you different, you have to choose to trust God. One thing that I love about trust and knowing that I can trust in God is I know that I don't need my emotions permission to hold on and trust God. I don't have to ask my emotions. Now, is it okay if I trust him here now? I mean, you're going crazy in my mind and fear and anger and bitterness and all these kind of things are raging, but do you mind? Do you mind if I just quiet you for a minute so I can trust God? No way. I don't have to ask my emotion permissions to trust in God. Guess what happens in that? That trumps 
everything when I choose to trust God. It trumps my emotions. It trumps the way I feel. And I can literally go after him no matter what is happening or raging inside. You have to be determined to achieve it. Again, like I said, if you set your mind on something, most of the time you'll do whatever it takes to get it. But how many of us have chosen to set our minds on peace? Like I'm talking like set your mind to the point that you will do whatever it takes to achieve it. And the greatest thing about that is letting go and letting God take control. You don't have to do a ton. You just got to let him take control and trust that he's got it. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. When Christ displaces worry. Wholeness comes from choosing to trust in God and place him in the center. He literally takes the place of worry and fears when you choose to just put him right back into the center of where you are. Number four, let go. Whether we know it or not, most of the times in life, we place our trust in something or someone every day. Think about it. It could be yourself. It could be your friends. It could be doctors. It could be the treatment that they give you. When you go to a mechanic and you drop off your car, guess what you're doing? Placing your trust that they're going to do what they said they would do, right? When you go, it's simple like this. You put your trust in when you go to the soda fountain at the gas station that when you hit Pepsi, you're not going to get Dr. Pepper. You're going to get Pepsi, right? And that somebody didn't jack up the fountains on purpose, which would kind of be funny, but... I'm just saying, like, that somebody didn't do that to you on purpose. You trust that you're going to get what you buy. When you go in and you purchase something at the store, you are trusting that you are getting that name brand. Do you see what I'm saying? You trust in something every day. Isn't it funny that we put our trust in simple things like, like sodas? Like, people will say, well, I like Pepsi more than I like Coke, or I like Coke more than I like Pepsi. But the fact of it is, is if somebody was going to give you a drink or whatever, you are putting your trust in something so silly that it's going to be what it says it is. And it really doesn't matter. Yet we can't trust in God. Placing our trust in things every day that really aren't going to give us anything. What are you trusting in? To fully trust God, you have to let go of other things and hold tightly to God. Trust that's not fully given isn't real trust. It's simply wishful thinking in disguise. Think about it. Trust not fully given is not real trust. It's simply wishful thinking in disguise. When you trust something, you give your all to it. Proverbs 3 Verses 5 through 7 in the message says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Not just the tip of it. Not just halfway of it. Not just part of it. What's the bottom mean? From the very end of it 
the wholeness of it, the bottom of the barrel of my heart, I'm going to trust God to fill all that up and take care of it. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Trust that's not fully given isn't real trust. It's just wishful thinking in disguise. Number five, keep a record. Anybody in the room journal any or write things down or like you have things that you've kept from long time ago or you may have scrapbooks or picture books or anything like that that you go back through and you look back through the memories of, I love looking back through. How many of you like looking back through like old pictures of things from just things you've been through or seeing things? I even like looking through other people's old pictures because it's like, it's a story. And they'll tell you of things of places they've been or what happened or where things are. Well, we should do that with God. We need to keep a memory record whether it's remembering in our mind by writing something down or by, you know, mental pictures that you have, things that you've done. Can you remember the moment when God first came and met you where you were? Can you remember it? If you were to close your eyes, do you remember where you were? Can you remember what you wore? Can you remember the people that were around you? Do you remember those things? Keep a record of all the times that God's been faithful in your life. Keep it. Write it down. Do you realize that if nobody kept a record of what God did, we wouldn't have the word of God today? Just think about it. We wouldn't have this to read from because nobody would have kept a record of how good he was, of all the things that he did, and the stories to tell. And do you realize that the records that you keep are ones that are going to help encourage ones later on down the road from the stories that you tell of how good God was and the faithfulness? Do you realize that when you are in a moment and you're struggling that you can look back on those things and say, yeah, I may be here, but God, you did this. And God, you've been there through this. And God, you are faithful in this. It's important to keep a record. This is kind of like making deposits into the trust bank. You ever heard of trust funds where people deposit into a trust fund and then you got interest and all these other kinds of things that begin to grow off of it. But think about Jesus Christ. When you keep records of all that he's done, you're literally depositing into the confidence and the trust that you have in who he is. It literally builds that trust continually in him. And as we remember and look over what he's done, we build our trust in him, and that builds our confidence in what he will do in the future. Do you realize that when we keep a record of what God's done in our life, that it helps us realize that life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full? Some of the moments that you'll keep a record of are moments of great pain, but they end in great triumph and growth knowing that God was there and came through for you. And I think what happens is we forget very easy sometimes the goodness of God. 
because we're so used to people letting us down. We're so used to things not working out and not trusting in situations to go the way that we think they should that when we come to God and we come to a moment or a circumstance where everything is terrible and struggling, what happens is we treat it the same way we would the world. And what happens is we don't trust God. We don't trust in who he is. We think that he's going to fail, that he's not going to give us what we need. And what happens is we set ourselves up in the anxiety trap. And we get stuck in it. And what God does is when you keep that record, even when you may get kind of stuck in that trap or you put your foot towards anxiety, what happens is you go, oh, but I remember God. I remember that one little moment, Jesus, when I didn't have a dryer because it just went out and somebody came knocking at my door and said, hey, I got this dryer and I was going to throw it away. Do you need it? Or I remember God when I didn't have the money to pay for diapers and God you had somebody put a basket together and bring them and drop it at my door oh I remember God when I was so down and out and struggling and I was sick that even though my body wasn't better you came and you comforted me and I felt your presence so rich and so alive See, what happens is that begins to take you out of that anxiety trap and you begin to get further and further and further away. Then when you are done, all you do is begin to realize the good things God's done and know that he's faithful to do it again. It's just that simple. And you may be in a moment right now where life doesn't seem easy and it is full of pain. But keep a record. Go back and look over the things he's done. Remember the goodness of God. See, a life of peace doesn't mean the absence of pain, but the presence of trust in a faithful God. A life of peace doesn't mean the absence of pain, but the presence of trust in a faithful God. Deuteronomy 7, 9 in the ESV says this way, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Stand with me today. To walk in peace is to trust in God. To walk in peace is to trust in God. You want to defeat anxiety? I think you have to begin to first come and find out your trust issues. And you have to begin to let it go. You have to check God's credentials. You have to know that he's got all things in control. You have to know that he's got the fullness of who you are in the palm of his hand. You ask him for his help. You choose to hold on. You set your mind on him. And then you keep record of all the times that he's been faithful to you. Amen? We just want to sing this just for a minute. And if you have things that are going on where you know you've got some mistrust issues that have caused trust in God to be displaced. I want you to just encourage yourself today to let those things go and know that the good Father will love on you and be where you are and meet you at your needs. Amen. We thank you, Jesus.